Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV pilot's license flight number 20 with service to the good place. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that if you are sitting in the middle seat, you do in fact get the right to the armrest. And if the aisle or window seat take your armrest, they most likely will be going to the bad place. Welcome to the TV Pilot's <laughs> License. My name is Jeff Kerbis. Joined by my, my fellow co-hosts, Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? Good. Like a flight. That was quite a journey. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, indeed. Um, yeah. Well, First, first episode of 2023. 2023. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Is that, oh, is that an omen? Is that an, an omen I hear? Um, well, thank you guys for joining. Thanks all of our listeners for joining we thought we'd kick off the new year with the good place um super excited to talk about this debuted in 2016 um but before we dive into everything max do you mind letting the folks know what this podcast is all about yeah if it's been a while uh, and it has welcome to <laughs> tv pilots license where we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of famous or infamous tv shows from throughout the years we figure out how these shows came to be, if they're successful pilots and make us want to watch more, and if we think they can be made today. We've got a whole bank of episodes from last year on where anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. Just go look up podcasts. Just search the word podcast right now, and you'll and you'll find us. Yeah, uh, Google go back, po- Google podcast. Just Google <laughs> just go the word podcast. It. Yeah, we somehow uh, rank number one for just the term podcast. How weird. <laughs> uh, it, it helps when one of your co-hosts works in SEO. What can I yeah. say? Um, <laughs> but yeah, go check us out. Subscribe, uh, rate us, leave a review. And if it's your first time flying, welcome aboard. And Rich, to kick off 2023, what's your question of the week? Well, one of my favorite parts of coming back to school, if there had to be a remotely good part of coming back to school, is everyone not learning immediately and the teacher sitting everyone down saying hey where did everyone go on their vacation and i would love to know as the question of the week where do we go when we die wow that's a that's a big one that might be the the biggest question you've <laughs> had. I, look look we did we did like an hour and a half on the x-files pilot we can talk about this ad nauseum if we want <laughs> Dive, dive deep. Do whatever you got to do. Max, while I contemplate, what what are your thoughts on this uh, gigantic subject? <laughs> <Yeah>. Throw Max <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> As a wise man, or maybe it was a children's nursery rhyme, said, uh, there's a hole in the log in the bog in the bottom of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you want an Osama bin Laden burial? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, uh, I, I mean, look. If I said I've never thought about this, I'm lying. Uh, where do we go when we die? I, I think we have a, a nice, peaceful transition, and then uh, our our spirit journey begins anew with uh, round two, Life on Earth Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> um, where if you where you have to live, uh, you have to live a good life so you can save the rec center. Oh, ain't that the truth? Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I'm in the same plane as Max, uh, literally, in the idea that, hey, um, <laughs> plain puns, they're still going to happen. Um, as far as that goes, though, I think that, you know, there, there's got to be some place, at least, you know, for my sanity, I have to believe there's something else out there. Um, and if it happens to be anything like what the good place has written out be a spoiler i've watched more than the pilot um i'd be a pretty happy guy also if you're listening to this at home and you want to uh sound off and tell us why we're wrong uh the comments are open yeah (laughs) yeah yeah let us know where you go when you die yeah (laughs) rich what about you that that would that would be the weirdest voicemail we've ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to think back on uh, like a, a rabbinical answer to this, basically, uh, and just uh, you know, a small child asks the rabbi where we go when we die, and the rabbi replies, "Who are you to ask such a question? Why would you do that?" <laughs> um, but also, I think it's hubristic for. Uh, 
human beings to think that they go somewhere special when they die when no other creature potentially goes somewhere when they die. And... Um, I have it on good authority that all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. true. And I've heard medium <laughs> people go to Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> well, Rich, thank you so much for that very thought. I think we knocked that out in like a minute. Very thought provoking <laughs> question. Um, so yeah, what scholars have tried to do for a millennia, we did in about 90 seconds. Great job, everyone. <laughs> Yo, uh, Suck it, Emmanuel Kant. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> um, well, for those who are still unsure what we're going to be talking about this week, we're going to be talking about The Good Place. If you want to watch the pilot before we you pr- listen to us or watch us on YouTube, uh, you can find it on Netflix and you can also find it on Apple TV. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about a synopsis for people and their otherworldly frenemy struggle in the afterlife to define what it means to be good simple and sweet but max tell me how this came to be totally so we are going to be talking about the good places pilot episode everything is fine which originally aired on nbc september 19th 2016 uh and this show is the brainchild of a gentleman named mike Schur, who it blew my mind to find out and like, I, I knew he's been in the game for a long time, but Mike Schur has been working professionally for 25 years now. Holy and shit. it's just like, it's crazy to think how young some of these Since guys Since before start. I was born? <laughs> Damn it, Rich. Uh, so <clears throat> this is my new bit. I'm going to I'm gonna make everyone uh, think that I'm 19 years old. <laughs> our, our favorite Gen Z TV podcaster, Rich Edmund. <laughs> Hey, dead ass, you know. Oh my god, no. Uh, so Mike Schur has only worked in comedy. He graduated from Harvard in 1997, where he was president of the National Lampoon. And in 1998, he was hired as a writer by Saturday Night Live. Uh, he's a writer there for a few years. It becomes the producer of Weekend Update starting in 2001. Uh, again, talking about things that blow my mind, like these timelines shouldn't overlap. The head writer when Sure got hired at SNL was Adam McKay. And I just feel like these things don't align. I don't think of them as being of like the same group that came up together. And then I find out that Adam McKay got hired in 1995 at SNL. And a year later, he's promoted to head writer at 27 years old. Oh, and- oh my God. <laughs> that makes me so sad. Damn, that must have been a hell of a first year. <laughs> so, moving on, though. Uh, so, Sure works at uh, SNL until 2004 when he leaves, and he goes to work for uh, Greg Daniels, another SNL alum, as well as The Simpsons and King of the Hill, uh, to write and produce on Daniels' new show, an adaptation of the British series The Office for NBC. So, Sure writes, produces, uh, occasionally makes guest appearances as Dwight's brother Moe's, And then with Daniels, they conceive of what's originally a spinoff, but then becomes its own independent series, a sitcom called Parks and Recreation. Uh, Sure also co-creates Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Dan Gore. And do all all this is happening. Also writes for a whole bunch of baseball blogs under the pseudonym Ken Tremendous. So Sure goes solo and sells a pitch to NBC for this show, The Good Place. It gets picked up right away to series order. Uh, when researching this, my favorite little tidbit I found out is that they would do hoaxes and press releases with character descriptions. So to all of the like PR and like tabloids and stuff in town, they would describe uh, PR for Janet as being a violin salesperson with a checkered past. That's amazing. Which was <laughs> what? <laughs> Which was confirmed as being a prank by writer uh, Megan Amram. And then something else I found pretty cool about just the conception of this show is he's not credited in any way. You're not going to find his name listed or officially associated with this show. But one of the big helping hands in the development of this series is actually Damon Lindelof of Lost, The Leftovers, and Watchmen. Sure, basically took meetings with him early in the process and was like, how do I build twists? How do I build suspense? How do I build mm. cliffhangers? And so he would pitch him all these ideas that he had. It was like, is this a thing? Basically, they said they would meet up for lunch and play a game. Is this a thing? And basically help sure figure out how to write the cliffhangers at the good place become so well known for in time. But we're only going to talk about one cliffhanger today. And that's the one in our powered episode. Wow. I mean, 
that it is like you can tell from the show it is a wild departure from the extremely like i would say mainstream workplace comedies of the office and parks and rack and brooklyn 99 there is nothing ethereal about any of those and to just go from those to all right we're gonna build an entire afterlife full of like ethical quandaries and stuff like that and we're just going to have that be the entire basis of the show it created an incredibly huge leap. So that actually makes a lot of sense that he was re- reaching out to uh, the, one of the creators of Lost. Yeah, like the thing that is amazing but also upsets me about Michael Schur's past is like most people would just be happy with one of those line items, right? Like yeah. most people would yeah. be like, oh, cool. I wrote on SNL. Hell yeah. Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, no, SNL, The Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine baseball writing like those all of those are equal <laughs> equal and things. he's 47 he's 47 he's, he's just oh getting God. started norman lear's 100 and he's still producing shows <laughs> I, I think we found the new president of nbc yeah if... oh, you guys you guys get I need everyone to contribute to this GoFundMe so we can keep Norman Lear's heart going. Oh, pre- President of NBC, welcome, welcome back. Yeah, Happy New Year, President of <laughs> yeah, NBC. Yeah, how, how was how was your Christmas and New Year's? Happy Happy New Year, you guys. Uh, first of all, uh, you guys should know that uh, I only celebrate Hanukkah, and uh, it's just so I can appease everyone in Hollywood. And <laughs> uh, well. One, president of NBC, thank you for making The Good Place possible. But let's take a little bit of a dive into The Good Place. Um, so we open on Eleanor's eyes. Uh, that is not me being poetic. It is literally we open <laughs> on Eleanor opening her eyes and reading a sign saying, Welcome, everything is fine. Eleanor being played by Kristen Bell. Uh, and she is greeted by... A tall, white-haired gentleman named Michael, played by Ted Danson. This brings my instant first question up. Who would you like to be greeted by when you go to the good place? Ooh. Can I just say Ted Danson? Yeah, no, Ted Danson's <laughs> actually my answer, so we're oh. on the same page, man. Two chains. <laughs> I'm picking two chains. I feel like that's... How, how could you possibly have... How could you possibly have any fear in your heart when you see that man? Do you guys ever watch that uh, Vice show he does, Most Expensivest, Two Chains? No, no but I, I think uh, I have my new thing to watch. He he just like reviews really expensive stuff. Like he goes to like a, a Vegas hotel and learns about like forty thousand dollar cocktails, oh, or he he learns about hundred thousand dollar bed sheets, whatever. It's I, like I want to see him do this in heaven, where it's like. Yo, like this harp is made of pure magical gold. <laughs> I think I've seen that, and it was him drinking a hundred thousand dollar bottle of water with the water sommelier. Um, How much money does a... Vice have? <laughs> There's one where he goes to like a retirement home in Miami, and it's like the most expensive retirement community in America, and it's just like him hanging out with senior citizens. It's delightful. That sounds wonderful. Um, <laughs> so. Let's talk about what Michael actually does. I I thought this was such a clever thing of setting up, like, the Eleanor is the audience, and the audience is Eleanor, and really a exposition vomit of what exactly is happening and what is happening to Eleanor. We get to experience the idea of, hey, you're in the good place. You don't remember anything. Um, I love this touch because... You died an embarrassing death, and we erase those. <laughs> yeah, we erase traumatic or ex- or embarrassing deaths. <laughs> yeah, I I was thinking like to myself, what would be because that one? Yes, this is for network television, so we can't do something that's too graphic. But like, also, what would be more embarrassing than uh, dying after purchasing Lonely Girls Margarita mix and getting hit by a bus? Uh, or it was a shopping cart and a bus that had a uh, boner pill on the side of the bus. Engorgulate. Yeah, engorgulate. Get it right. Look, look, I want to I want to take a minute to just uh, say that, hey, if you got hit by a bus that had an extremely embarrassing ad on the side of it, it's not your fault. I'm so sorry. You're not you're not a bad person. Uh, 
look, I don't, I don't think you wanted to see Shen Yun, but the, no, uh, no. Oh, that's a that's a reference that no one else here gets. <laughs> no, I thought, okay. I, know, I thought, I just, I thought you were going to keep going. Yeah. With it. <laughs> I, I was. I looked at both of your eyes and saw nothing. Oh my god. Um, I, I, I have been meaning to see Shen Yun. I've been seeing ads for it for twenty years. Um, <laughs> the, um. But, like, during this entire process, I think that they did such a good job of writing, like, what would be the questions when you go to the concept of heaven, right? Like, how did I get here? Um, Who was right? Which I thought was just, like, such a clever little bit of the concept of Doug Forsett and him being, like, a celebrity in the afterlife as a whole. Like, what were some of the things that you guys enjoyed about this opening scene? God, I, I'm going to say this a bunch throughout this episode, but I love the specificity in the writing in this show. Oh, yeah. I love that it's not just margaritas. It's not just tequila. It's a it's such a specific brand, lonely girl, margarita mix. I love that every religion was exactly 5%. I love the whole story about Doug Forsett taking shrooms and getting 92% of the afterlife correct. Um, there's so many more moments later in this that as they come up, I'll just be like, specifics! Uh, but yeah, it, it's just so much fun to listen to and Ted Dance and just like bodies these opening chunks of text. It is one long list game, which had to have been an absolute joy to be a writer on. I mean, you're it's just spitballing ideas. It's throwing what out. I would not give to just see photos of the whiteboard. I know. Uh, I I can. I do remember Megan Amram posting something on Twitter of all of the different food based puns that she had to write for all of the restaurants that yeah, existed she would, she in the would good post place. Lists of all of the restaurant ideas that were pitched in the writers' room. Yeah. I, like, I could do that all day. It's so fun. That sounds that sounds like an absolutely amazing uh, room to write in. The well, good news is Mike sure has like fifty more years of shows in him, apparently. <laughs> Mike, hit me up. Like that I heard was, you like lists. That was one of the things that I was so impressed by this is like when you look at the writing for this show, it is so much of like it's very three sixty, right? It's like a very full figure every scene is fully developed there's not like a missing joke like even the Mm -hmm. first scene ending with like did i have a purse no i'm dead like i was just like that's what a great way to cap off a scene and like what could be a throwaway joke but because Kristen bell is i'm going to say this throughout just like max but Kristen bell kills every single scene in this episode and like that is amongst a bunch of amazing actors um, mm-hmm. that we will give them all their comeuppance. But, like, this is one of those things... Did I say it right or did I say it wrong? Who knows? I just don't know if that's the word you I don't think it's the right word. <laughs> Who knows? I think we're going to give them all their applause, maybe? All, all, their, their, all their adulation? I don't know. Uh, yes, okay. Yeah, there we go. That works. Um, <laughs> I felt like you were threatening. But, but also, comeuppance <laughs> sounds like something that, like, it's, it's a vengeance story about Kermit the Frog. Hell yeah, I'm in. I'll fund that. Um, But after this first scene, like, it's such a nice job of, like, it's not surprising, Max, when you say that, like, Michael Schur had to go and have meetings about, like, setting up twists, right? Because you, this show eases the audience into the concept of The Good Place. If this show was just about The Good Place, it would be a very boring show. Because within five minutes, we would be like, oh, here we are, and, like, everything is magical, and everything is great. But we start off the show with, we're in the good place. There are, I loved all the different names of the frozen yogurt places, right? Like, Mm. my favorite was GPBY, good place, best yogurt. I was like, my TCBY (laughs) folks love that. Um, But then, like, even the orientation video that they had was just so well done like it took that little bit of workplace comedy that like michael sure was so used to and familiar with and was just like hey we can throw this in for like a couple minutes just to get something going here 
Like it's very tech startupy. I, I love I love the thought of uh, Silicon Valley creeping into the afterlife. I will say on the subject of frozen yogurt parlors with pod names, uh, living in Los Angeles, that those are just like real places. Like there's Yoga Ert, which is like the yoga slash frozen yogurt place. <laughs> uh, there's Humphrey Yogurt in the valley out oh here. Oh my like, god! We just have pun frozen yogurt places. Uh, this may this may be the good place. I may have died when I came to LA. <laughs> <laughs> oh god max how can you tell me you're more la without saying that la is like heaven um but, um there was like i but i think that just everything the idea of like the good the video being sponsored by otters holding hands right like just these mm. small little throwaway jokes that are so great and like overacted but like they're perfect um I love like weaponized cutiness for for humor. It is oh man, such good fodder, and they they really dig into that so much uh, throughout the course of the show. I can't can't say enough about it. And they do such a good job of like setting up what we should be expecting next, right? Because like during this orientation video, we find out hey, you get to meet your soulmate, um, and we do have the great like hey, this is your house. It's an embodiment of your personality. And, like, my wife and I disagreed. I actually thought that uh, Kristen Bell's or Eleanor's house was cute, uh, at least on the exterior. The interior, we can have some conversations about. But, like, then right next to it. was super cute it, on the inside, too. Yeah, right next to it is this, I don't even want to call it a mega mansion. It is a, you know, an entire city uh, that is encompassed within a home. Um, <laughs> and just, like, meeting Chidi being this... Uh, the um, William Jackson Harper, who plays Chidi, is so good in this role. They they don't give him like a ton to work with, right? They're just like, hey, you're the accompaniment, uh, the embodiment, excuse me, of like good, like you're just good and you're curious and like go do that. And here are your lines, and you're working off of Kristen Bell. Good luck, and like. Somehow, I'm just enthralled by everything that he's doing. And he's saying, like, I don't think he has a line that's bigger than maybe 10 words. But every time I'm like, oh, he's got me. Like, let's fucking go. So some, something super important about this show as a whole is, I mean, let, let's go over some of like the rules of the of the of the good place. Uh, if, if people are unfamiliar with it, because it really sets up the exposition for like what we're allowed to do, like the the confinement of the world that we're in. Um, you know, uh, one that was like very cool immediately when you meet Chidi, uh, he is saying that he's speaking perfect French, uh, and the good place automatically translates that to English for you. Um, you know, you can't curse. Uh, that's another thing that comes up as a, a pretty, uh, like fun comedic element for the entire show. Is there anything else that you guys thought of that were, uh, that was pretty important? I, I don't know who has watched more than just the the pilot episode have we all watched a significant amount more of the show i i have watched every episode of the show <laughs> I've, watched, I've watched the whole thing yeah, yeah. okay no. um as far as rules that are sticking out to me right now that are revealed just in the pilot i think you covered like the two large ones if that yeah makes oh sense. you get your own soulmate too yeah. soulmates there yeah no i think um, that that is uh, without diving too much into the lore of the show i think that like and they did a great job of Chidi being the reveal of some of those rules, right? And like yes. some of the ways that these things, like some of the ways that the world works. Um, but we get our first big reveal. But before I talk about the reveal, was there anything else that you guys like had thoughts of on like just getting to this point as a whole and how the pilot is feeling? Yeah, you get uh, you get positive 1.04 points for every sandwich you eat towards your good place score. So uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to heaven, uh, but all said and done in this life. Uh, I'll get there. I, I love this first act as a pilot. Like if, if these are your first 10 pages of script, you, you establish this world. You get points of view of a couple of main characters uh, you get amazing detail, great jokes. You get a lot of exposition in a way it doesn't feel overly clunky or too in your face. This is just such a great first act of writing 
that caps off with the reveal that ends act one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love Ted Danson as basically an unsure host of the good place where he can go ahead and explain everything in something that's so calm and in and, and Ted Danson's voice. And then to immediately have that feeling of like, you know, I'm pretty new at this though. And for, for him to be at 250 years of, uh, of working in this place uh, as, as an apprentice, place. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the concept of that. I don't want anyone to complain about being an intern for over a year anymore after hearing <laughs> Ted Danson apprentice. For no, 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 no. We're, we are a famously anti-free labor podcast. Nope, we're pro-intern for college credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk about the first big reveal, right? The first big reveal is Eleanor just very blatantly says to Chidi, after getting him to promise, like basically luring him into a trap of like, hey, I'm not supposed to be here. The memories that you're seeing, those aren't my memories. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, this was a big old mistake. Um, and then I, I feel like this was the first instance of this is really what this pilot's about, right? Like, Max, mm -hmm. you said it perfectly. Like, the first mm -hmm. 10 pages, we built this gigantic world. You're bought in. But as soon as Kristen Bell says, I'm not supposed to be here, that's the moment where it's like, oh, shit, this is what I'm and watching. And what's so fun is that these are all tropes that we've seen before in shows. It, it starts off with, you know, the way that we proceed through your standard workplace comedy with welcome to your first day, introduction, orientation, this is how the company works. It's a case of mistaken identity. There is another person named Eleanor Shellstrop who uh, Kristen Bell's character has taken the place of in the good place by a mistake. It's the same name, but different memories. Somehow there's been a mix up. We've seen all these beats play out before. And so I think it's, it's cool how uh, like Mike Schur and this writing team combines these things to put it into a lens that feels fresh, despite it, you know, easily being overplayed stuff definitely yeah and it's so funny because like after having all this world building one of the things that i loved that the writing team did is they immediately uh like discredited eleanor as a human being right like they immediately tore down any semblance of her being like somewhat of a good person with just a small series of montages that were just like perfect right like just the environment like the environmentalist who was there and her not even having the dignity of throwing her um i think it was a can in the trash and then telling it to suck it lover like uh nature boy or something of that matter like it was just so well done and having the cheaty character act opposite of her in this terrified manner of being like well i deserve to be here what the hell why are you here was just it was very like refreshing i i think that's the word that i want to use in this instance and it's a little bit of a gamble too because you have to like your protagonist so to pile on eleanor but still have her seem so likable mm -hmm. is really it's really good character development and i think it also uh is a role that like if Kristen bell doesn't like amplify it and play it the way she does could easily make it seem like oh like just we done goofed it's it's a fish out of water but this person's like actually uh you know a piece of shirt and instead <laughs> you get this really really uh person you want to root for even though uh they're awful <laughs> yeah yeah they did not make a lot of choices in the 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 living world but i mean that is like as you said, you want a protagonist that is likable, that is someone you want to root for. And I think what they're trying to build here is, okay, she doesn't belong here. She knows she doesn't belong here. But is she going to say something about it? Who is she going her, to, who is she, how is she going to correct it? Her explanation of, uh, like, her life story. It's like, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and <laughs> then I moved to Tempe, Arizona, and then I moved back part to of Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> But also, okay, so here, here's one here's one little thing that I caught on on this part. When she was explaining, these are not my memories and everything, obviously, major screw-up on the behalf of uh, Mike. Is That was Ted Danson's character's name? Yeah, Michael. Michael. Yeah, 
Michael. But they do know how she died. And that death, I think, is legitimately her death. So I, I don't know. I, that's where I was going to start to question. I mean, I've watched a, a decent amount more of the show as well. I haven't watched the whole thing, but um, that immediately was, okay, how do you know was that, that and you screw up the yeah. rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think they did also such a good job of like, um, through this process, we learn more about the good place, right? Um, we learn about uh, Janet played by Darcy Carden, who is Darcy. Darcy is amazing. Like I could just, we could, I could make a podcast just about Darcy Carden. Yeah. The, the violin salesperson with the checkered pack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Darcy (laughs) Carden plays Janet. Who's basically like the living embodiment of what we all like universe, like omnipotent Siri is what Janet is. And like this amazing, like they they nailed it with like the voice and like how she's dressed like in this almost like sterile manner um and like everything about it is perfect you can't see what the bad place is like but you can hear exactly what is happening there right now like and just playing it so emotionless was just oh, she absolutely dominating it truly unbelievable like wild card joke fodder in this character there, there is almost no, nothing about this pilot hinges on Janet, but it is such a beautiful addition for jokes. It's kind of how I feel about the Colin Robinson character from what we do in the shadows. It is, he is there not as a consequential character. He really does not have a major connection to the other vampires in the house for what we do in the shadows, but being, having the premise of being an energy vampire someone who feeds off the energy of people around them instead of actual blood it's just it's so modern it's so stupid it's so it's so incredibly funny and i think janice just the perfect embodiment of this she gets a lot of uh important like first person uh episodes down the line which i think is they're all super fun i just love this character as a whole but yeah, I mean, talk about just throwing in someone, just, you know, take some big swings at it in the writer's room. Yeah, she really... There are... Oh, go ahead, Max. I'll say there's just, there's so many people in this cast who make just absolute meals out of tiny moments. Um, with Darcy, for me, it's when she cocks her head back for them to listen to the bad place. And it's just like her staring up, mouth agape. And it's like the, the flick of her head, the posture she takes on, it's... It's a nothing moment, but she absolutely turns it into something. It's the same thing that time and time again, Ted Danson does, Kristen Bell does, um, William Jackson Harper does really, really nice. There's even tiny little looks and glances that Manny Jacinto, um, who we'll talk about momentarily do. And everyone here just takes advantage of every moment of screen time that they get and they do it really really well yeah it's there is not a bad i would say there is not a bad performance by anyone who is on the main card for this show by any means right like and we can't say that about every pilot that we have watched um i don't know what you're talking about uh, that that was very clearly expressed in father of the pride Um, but we talked a little bit about it. We meet two more characters, um, while Chidi and Eleanor are contemplating what to do about Eleanor. Uh, we meet Tahani Al-Jamil, and, um, I forget what the, oh, let me find it. Um, and then, uh, we also meet Jian Yu. Um, and Uh, so, The Buddhist monk. This was like, it was great. Right, because mm-hmm. this is where I think, Rich, you said we need, like, Rich and Max, you both said we needed, like, a relatable character in a pilot so we can continue on with the pilot. This is where I feel like we all relate with Eleanor the most about there just being that person who is the worst, but yeah. somehow everyone adores uh, for some reason whatsoever. The person I related to the most was when Chidi said that I'm in a perfect utopia and I have a stomach ache, so I don't know what you're talking about. 
Almost heaven. Los Feliz. <laughs> uh, IBS now. <laughs> um, but the, they use the... the I think they're both... Like, even though we don't get that much of either of these characters, they're used, once again, as plot devices, right? Helping to push mm -hmm. forward the idea of like, oh, I'm hosting a welcome party for everyone that is new. And at said welcome party, um, we get to meet all of these amazing people. Like the guy who gave up his, both of his kidneys. Uh, so <laughs> to, a, to a stranger. To a stranger who he had just <laughs> met on the bus, which was just like, of those jokes, that was my favorite one by far of, like, just the people, the quality of people that Eleanor was not meeting at that level. To give I a little a bit of background, there was, wait, what's that? Oh, no, go ahead. To give a little bit of background, so uh, Eleanor goes through a party that Tahani is throwing at a giant man, at her giant mansion house, and is trying to find out if anyone else there is there by accident like her. Um, so that is, that's what we're referring to in, the, in this particular scene. Eleanor at one point says, let me get more of them shrampies. In, uh, <laughs> related to a... Already hard A in that tramp. <laughs> negative 2,000 points from the good place. Yeah, if you're if you're with someone at a party and they say, let me get more of them shrampies. I'm cutting them off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... Oh, okay, so... To be on to play devil's advocate for one second, which I think is appropriate on this show, <laughs> we have all been to weddings where there's not enough past apps at the wedding, and you have to stock out the person who has <laughs> the good past apps, right? Because sometimes oh, the good the good plates, yeah, the good plates. <laughs> Damn, it. Uh, Damn it! But I I sort of if I was Eleanor and I was like oh. Oh, geez. Did you see the size of those shrimp? They were small lobsters. I was like, hell yeah. I'm going to grab at least two or three. Now, would I take home a bunch of them in my bra? Sure. Probably not. They'd be <laughs> in my pockets. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, it was just such this great, like, oh, another moment where you're like, oh, Eleanor might be trash. And that's okay. Because all of us are a little bit trashy. <laughs> But that leads in to my favorite moment of this entire pilot, oh. which is we get back from the party, drunk Eleanor is being put to bed by Chidi. Oh, no. And she looks up and says, no, it's not the shrimp in the bra part. Um, she looks up and says, am I a good person? Does anybody care that I died? And that to me is like the heart of and the morality of this mm -hmm. pilot. That, mm -hmm. to me, is the line of dialogue. We talk about you need your protagonist to be likable. This is the moment that really defines Eleanor as having those different levels. There's these different facets to this character. And it's the line of dialogue that gets me so on board with this protagonist and the journey that we're going to follow them over the course of many episodes to come. I thought you were going to say it was the clown noise. Yeah, I was going to say, and then you the cut room. that tension with a knife with the clown coming down. With it truly is. Like it's, you, you have like the moral heart of the show revealed to you. You have the big question, and you basically make a fart sound over it. <laughs> and then honk, honk, clown time. We can't get too serious here. Uh, but after a good, I don't know if they have nights uh, in the good place, but we'll call it an eve, uh, sleep um, we wake up to a nightmare hellscape, right? Like everyone is wearing, uh, Michigan, uh, Chevron colors, uh, because Eleanor's or the mistaken identity of Eleanor went to Michigan, uh, for law. Uh, there are gigantic ladybugs, forks that are flying down from the ground, shrimp, uh, giant frogs, nasal pro and giraffes, just to name a few of these things. All scored to Ariana Grande. Yeah, which was great. Um, I I did love like just the amount of detail that like was put into those little pieces of the script Man. to then bring it back and like because no one would be like, oh yeah, an Ariana Grande mentioned that's foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. It was just such a great little like bit of writing for sure. This show utilizes the little bits of CGI that it does for a network 
comedy really effectively. Um, I feel like they could have made it a, a huge crutch, but it's like the way they just like trickled in with like the CGI yeah. of the mansion or utilizing it for this scene. Um, it also separates it from an entire generation of the docu-style comedies and the multicams. Like it really feels like this is a show of the modern era and the way they incorporate those effects. Yeah, it's something entirely different, um, for sure. And like, yeah, it all of this, like all of this chaos, all of us seeing some of the characters we've met along the way, dealing with this chaos as a whole. Um, I think whom whoever was responsible for the costume design of all the different version versions of the chevron, uh, a plus because they made a suit, they made a dress, they made like a button up shirt with a pair of pants and a chevron belt. Like it was great. But we come to the point where Eleanor realizes and Sheedy is very aware that something has to be done because Eleanor is not supposed to be here. Um, we get my favorite joke of the show, um, which is Eleanor states that there should be a medium place. It shouldn't just be for one of every million people gets to go to the good place. The medium place should be Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about Cincinnati, but boy, do people like to pick on it. And it's I mid, will baby. say it is fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, that, that is why it gets picked on. That's why. Um, I, I, I have a special place in my heart for Cincinnati. Um, but we come to the end of this pilot with an agreement. Eleanor is going to be a ethical guinea pig uh, of trying to become a better person. There is no after credit scene. Uh, there's no uh, extra little bit of detail that we're missing. The credits just rolled as we are going through fairly important dialogue. That's a that's a Mike Sure signature though. Mm -hmm. Like every single one of his shows has that where the the credits roll over the last scene like he he knows like i've got 21 ish minutes of airtime yeah like not factoring commercials and i'm going to make the most of this network half hour those scenes run all the way into those final producer tags yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that is definitely a part of um I mean, it has to be due to his insane experience working with NBC at this point. He knows precisely how long, quote unquote, 30 minutes is. And that's 20 minutes and three, 21 and minutes and three seconds or whatever. Scenes. Yeah, like, there's, totally. There's, there's like a major cliffhanger and like the action that's going to propel the next episode happening here. There's in other shows of his like major reveals and twists that come in these credit scenes. Like he's going to keep you watching all yeah. the way until it says like frenulum and nbc at the very end or whatever else <laughs> almost every advancement of the jim and pam will they won't they thing takes place in that exact moment so i don't know if that was an, an, an original uh greg daniels uh you know thing or is it or if it's uh all mike sure on that one but yeah i mean it is very it is an extremely short pilot it is 21 minutes hard and you're out yeah, and that is a that's a ton of extremely complicated concepts to cover in 21 minutes, and also set up a pretty big cliffhanger. I, I don't know. I, I just think he does such an incredible job with with the brevity of this. So that's that's the pilot, right? As we yeah. just like, and it ends. What were some of the things that we didn't talk about that you loved? Oh boy, I mean. It, it's all the it's all the jokes i love all there's little sight i mean one of the my favorite things about the simpsons is that even with the script in place there's always sight gags that are going on outside of it and just the fact that you can throw in bonus jokes outside of a script is so it, i mean it just really makes a complete picture for me and it really it scratched an itch of having because I, I believe this is several years removed from 30 Rock at this point. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. really scratched the itch of, okay, they're going to throw in bonus absurd jokes for me. And I I just appreciate it significantly. I, I just like, I it set up so much 
uh, of a great feeling for the next future episodes of like, what am I going to see? What am I going to laugh at? What's going to be the, the, the point and laugh moment. Yeah. Piggybacking off that. Nothing in this is a throwaway. Every single line is specific for a reason. There Mm -hmm. are jokes that you can watch this a million times and not see like there's so many like when they're showing the two scenes mm-hmm. of like how you gain and lose points there's so many jokes flying at you there and so many font sizes there's probably things that no one has ever found that are in tiny fonts way in the background of that shot that are the writer's favorite things or like third favorite because they weren't totally in the foreground um <laughs> the other thing that i just love is how well this pilot moves and how clear this three-act structure is um I can't say this is one that I advise anyone trying to copy and replicate for reference. Yeah, please don't. so much happening here. Um, and you do need CGI to pull off some of it. But <laughs> it establishes wild ground rules and so much plot and so much like character development in 21 minutes in a really great way. I Actually, now I want nothing more than to watch like a kid with a video recorder try to do their version of the good place and show it for their parents that would be amazing timmy is this why there's no shrimp left in the freezer (laughs) ma shrimpies um yeah i i will just say like this is a show that you can't just listen to if that makes sense because you lose out on so much that is happening. This has been expertly put together. Um, we've been talking about how Michael Schur is going to be working till, you know, all of us are dead. He's going to keep on working. They're going to Disney frozen him. And well, I'm then... only 19, so it's <laughs> yeah. going to be a while for him. <laughs> uh, but, like, it, it almost feels like this is a master thesis, right? And, like, this is what the 20-minute that 20 minutes that you have for a network sitcom is supposed to be as far as making sure everything is in place and you have the intention of the audience for every single second that you get with them or just what you could do with the form like that anything is possible in this medium i also i mean speaking on that too jeff i don't i haven't looked up all of the other viewership numbers for this but I know Ted Danson is a giant draw. This got over 8 million viewers for the pilot, which I think might be our most popular pilot so, so far. Um, it's close. I'll tell it's you close. that. It okay. is close. But is it, it Entourage? Is uh, <laughs> no. Um, I believe our most popular pilot, I have to look back, had like 12 million people. Oh, my God. It. Uh, but I, need... I feel like Housewives was pretty yeah, high. Yeah, Housewives I feel was like high X-Files too. Files was pretty high. Yeah, there there were a couple that were like up there. Um, yeah, and I think actually this one was beat out by Modern Family. Um, wow, which is just something to speak to Modern Family as a whole. Um, I did want to say one other thing that I really did love about this. I thought this pilot was flawlessly directed and credit to drew goddard um who i am super familiar with he has like a little bit of a history with the concept of supernatural and evil and stuff um i know him from cabin in the woods which is one of my favorite movies oh and such a great movie. like he helped write that he directed it like it's such a good movie and you could see like the concept of a director who works with a twist um just like in their element so like good on you drew goddard i know you don't direct much but please do more friend of the pod yeah friend of the pod for sure (laughs) what were some of the things that were wait a minute moments for you in this pilot uh manny jacinto only speaks slightly less in this than he did in top gun maverick um He's a man of few lines. I like that about him. He does get an amazing look to camera during the storm, but... The Charlie Chaplin of our time. Man, man he got he got done dirty in Top Gun Maverick. I was so amped when I saw he was going to be in that, and he's like, maybe in the football scene? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even get a verse of... Uh, oh my god. What's the song that he plays on the piano? Great Balls of Fire. Great Balls of Fire. There yeah. you go. Um, I will say that the... like. 
This is me nitpicking. There were a lot of frogs in this pilot, more than I thought I needed. Um, Wait, not whoa. that I have not that I have a problem with frogs, but there were a lot of close-up shots of frogs on flowers, <laughs> and I feel like we need to give our listeners what they want, and they want to hear our wait-a-minute moments. So that caused me a slight amount of pause. <laughs> You were concerned about how many frogs? Too many frogs. What is going on? We need those frogs in swamps, not on pilots. Um, why? Well, and other than my... What, Don't obviously, make him unpack this on the yeah, pod. He's, you, he's traumatized. Yeah, there are too, many, in a proper too setting. many frogs. <laughs> too many cooks, too many frogs. Do you have a frog fear? Do you no, have a fear no, no. Frogs? No, I, oh I'm fine God. with frogs, but I just thought in this show there were too many frogs. And I'm going to leave it at that. If I watch episode number two and there aren't nearly as many frogs in it, I'm going to be a mix of upset and relieved at the same damn time. That I think a new segment in this show is going to be like Jeff Kermis's frogometer. Like, how many frogs were in this pilot? <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's the president of NBC. We absolutely love the show, but you're bankrupting us with the frogs. Can you There's please cut many, it out? Too many frogs. Not enough frog, CGI, too many frogs. Our uh, frog budget's out of control. Were there any wait a, other wait-a-minute moments for either of you? Uh, otherwise, we do have an in-flight question today. I'm, I'm you know, gonna... I thought there needed to be more frogs. <laughs> I'm not going to top frogs. We need to move on. So, for our first in-flight question of 2023, um, I got shot a DM and it said, If you had to guess who would be the most surprising person to be in the bad place, who would it be? Oh, I already know. I actually have on good authority uh, two people who are definitely in the bad place. Go for and it. And you would never think that. Uh, number one is Gandhi. Uh, a <laughs> lot of sexual assault of young women. Uh, and then uh, Mother Teresa, who forcibly kept people in horrible health to be martyrs for her. So, both of those people, fuck them. <laughs> Max, what about you? Do you have any... Uh... Oh, boy. <laughs> Who, oh boy! Who would who would be someone that would surprise the audience that you think would be in the bad place? Uh, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> is it the pants? Do you, do you want Do you want to elaborate, or is it yes, yeah, the forced nudity? <laughs> it, it, it's it's the nudity. Uh, he's definitely stolen some of that honey over the years, which uh, sent him uh, straight to hell. <laughs> oh God! Um, oh, oh God! Um, I will say it is whoever at Disney decided to purchase the rights to Star Wars uh, because you could have just left it alone. Um, and that did you just talk about how great the new yes, Star I did, Wars show but is? There were a few movies that didn't need to be made. We could have just let well enough alone. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, 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 you're red, hey, you're red Oh my, oh my uh, God! Surprisingly, president of NBC. In the good place. <laughs> so, uh, look here. Here's the deal, USOB. Uh, you, uh, you, you retract that statement, or I, uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I uh, say every time, I'm gonna fucking cut you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have to say fork it either. I can get away with it. I, I can say fuck it on this all I want. <laughs> you know, uh, Mickey, for a co- for a company founded by a vehement anti-semite you seem to threaten with legal action quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) um well thank you for that in-flight question we'll talk a little bit more about how you can uh send those in to us uh and usually we give a little bit of notice uh this week a little bit different but let's talk about the legacy of this show uh there were four seasons of this show uh famously Michael Schur said he only wanted there to be four seasons of this show. And it lasted 53 episodes. Uh, The highest rated season was season two. And it averaged 5.78 million viewers. Now, to give you an idea, um, the show itself never went past the number 77 on top ranked shows any year it was on. Um, Just... Which I found super surprising because I think this is a really 
well-loved show, but I think it also caught on more because of streaming rather than watching and being sit-down television. Um, here's another surprising fact. 81 nominations, 14 wins. Nice. Never won a primetime Emmy Award. Really? Yeah. Never Even won for writing? One. Like, the acting is terrific? For writing. Uh, Ted wow. Danson got nominations for uh, Emmys, um, as well as Kirsten ba- Kristen Bell, uh, Maya Rudolph, um, William Jackson Harper, mm. Darcy Carden. Uh, Michael Schur got nominated for Outstanding Writing a bunch of times, but... It just never happened. Really, like, the most notable award that it won was the American Film Institute uh, for Television Program of the Year in 2017. And that's, that's like, it feels like a crime, almost. This is a show that I I think part of its legacy is that it just really, it flew under the radar. I think that it got a fan base in its later seasons via streaming. I think it caught on late. It felt like one of those shows that, at least thinking back on watching season one, was like very word of mouthy, like people trying to tell each other, oh, you got to check this thing out. It's really yeah. fun. It's really quirky. But yeah, it, it was never an award darling. I think it's a show that, despite being wildly creative and inventive, came out as the like hour long streaming comedy was starting to become the dominating force in like Emmy award categories mm-hmm. like you start seeing the things that like amazon's putting out with like mazel and things around this time and i think good place is just this really lovely little show yeah like you know fleabag season one and two but it's like it it kind of got swept under the rug by some of these like big major studio players yeah, yeah super super under the radar not not appreciated for what it should have been it's very much like ballers in that sense yeah um, it also did win, um, I don't know if Ballers won this award, but it won Outstanding Achievement in Comedy in 2018 from the Television wow. Critics uh, Association. Uh, so, you know, they have... Over Ballers. They, they have yeah. that in common. Um, other than that... Rock, always, always an award snub from The Rock. We we talked a little bit about how you can find this on Netflix and Apple TV. Uh, there is also a Blu-ray that you can purchase that has all 53 episodes on it. Um, but that's really the legacy of the show. This is a this show ended not that long ago, right? There it's fairly young in its ending and I feel like we'll find out more about it as more time goes by. Um, did did it end because of the pandemic or did it end because it ended it was because like Michael Schur said NBC offered to give many many seasons yeah to as many seasons as michael sure wanted but michael sure said he came in with a four season epi- uh, tv show uh, yeah. that was ready to go if you think about it i don't think there was a season that had more than 13 episodes which is just wild um as a whole in the place we are today where most sitcoms have 22 to 24 um i mean i think i think once you get into the extremely complex nature of like ethical quandaries and uh multiple universes and like you know it it is it really is there there is a finite amount of material that you can do before people will be like okay i get it you know what i mean yeah (laughs) all right harvard boy (laughs) you know you know what's really experiencing that right now is rick and morty a lot of there's like a pretty sizable plateau of rick and morty like concepts and humor where at the very beginning it was oh we're gonna we're gonna go into a lot of different sci-fi related theories stuff that's like that can go back as far as like asimov or something like that we're gonna explore a lot of those we're gonna do it in a funny way we're gonna do it in a crass way and now you're getting into the point where it's like okay what is going what are you gonna tackle now and what are, are we leaving up a novel to? concept yeah, yeah. All right, before we get all the Rick and Morty boys in our DMs and comments, Rich, let's play Game of the Week. Yeah, yeah. Rich's Game oh, of the Week. Holy fork and shirt balls. All right, so as you guys know, uh, it's a scene that we have referenced several times, but it is a explanation of Ted Danson doing uh, by Ted Danson showing what particular actions either get you points toward being in the good place or points toward uh, taken away to lead toward the bad place. Um, so here's a couple examples. Um, 
be commissioner of a professional football league. Uh, parentheses American. That would get you. That's a negative points. Uh, <laughs> use the term bro code. Negative points. Root for the New York Yankees. Negative points. Here are some positives. Sing to a child. Uh, remember your sister's birthday. And uh, plant a baobab tree in Madagascar. I, I saw that one too. <laughs> I don't know what a baobab tree is, but I, am, I assume it's important there. All right. So I am going to give you a couple of examples of, of things that are positives in the good place or according that would get you points toward being in the good place. And I want you to find the one that I, that was not written by Mike Schur and the good place team. It was written by yours truly. Okay. All right. So we have, this is Rich's audition for the next Mike Schur show. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, call me, you know how to reach me. All right. So I'm going to put this here in the chat too. All right. So we have, Scratch elbow, pet a lamb, order your food in a restaurant's native language, remain loyal to the Cleveland Browns, step carefully over flower bed, fix a broken tricycle for ch uh, for a child who is indifferent to tricycles. So we're picking the one that Pick we one think that's fake. is fake. There's so many. Rich, if if you wrote the order your food in the restaurant's native language, A plus to you, because that <laughs> is, I know you just came back from a vacation, but that is, <laughs> I don't know if that rule also applies when you're on vacation, if you order it in the native language. Let's see, uh, scratch, scratching your elbow and petting lamb both just feel good, So, I, but not like in a hedonistic way, so I like to imagine those get your points. Uh, we've already taken one dig at just Ohio in general, so I want to believe that remaining loyal to the Cleveland Browns would be a real one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say stepping carefully over a flower bed is the fake Rich Inman one. Very and, nice. And for the uh, means of diversity, I am going to say pet a lamb. <laughs> uh, so, I actually, it is neither of those. It is order your food in a restaurant. Oh, Rich, I'm oh, wow. so yeah. proud of you. That's amazing. Oh, you so <laughs> Michael Schur, what are you doing? Call this man. Michael Schur, give me your home address. Yeah, no, Rich will be there in a little <laughs> bit. He'll bring, uh, He'll expertly order French food in a flawless French accent. <laughs> we'll talk baseball. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, okay, so I know we talk a little bit about, uh, we've brought up a couple times the uh, a show's connection to the 2005 World Series champion Chicago White Sox. Uh, Mike Schur, in addition to being, uh, you know, baseball blog legend Ken Tremendous, uh, actually broadcasted a game with White Sox main broadcaster Jason Benetti. Uh, over the pandemic, and it was absolutely delightful. His other guest was Bill Walton, which was a game before, and boy, <laughs> that was incoherent. If you want to somehow be more confused, if you want to be confused about a game that you've played since you were three years old, watch watch anything that Bill Walton is broadcasting because oh my god, that's amazing. Bill well, Walton also going to the good place. Rich, thank you for your game of the week. I'm very proud Anytime. of you. Uh, Let's finish off as the plane lands with our final two questions. Um, I don't want to say, do you think this show could be made today? Because I think that this yeah, show... Yeah, got canceled like two months ago. Yeah, this show just ended recently. But do you think that if, let's say in 20 years, someone wanted to remake the show and use the pilot, do you think that we would see a version of the show or do you think it's untouchable? I don't think there's enough fodder there to, to do a, like, obviously people are going to absolutely love the characters and that's kind of what a reboot is really based on. It's how much do people love the character, characters that those actors are associated with. I don't think there's any reason to do this. So probably they'll do it. <laughs> I assume there's like three spinoffs already in the works at Peacock, knowing how this stuff works nowadays. Um, I, I do think it is a little of a time and a place, these sort of like good morals, like chipper, upbeat kind of shows do feel very like, I don't know, this is kind of like the last one in that elk. Um, but 
the second question, I know what it is, so I'm going to say it. Yes, I will absolutely keep watching. I'm probably <laughs> going to go watch more soon. I, I was reminded how much I really enjoyed this show's early episodes. Rich, what about you? Would you continue watching this? Oh, man. It's so rapid fire with uh, with the material in, in there. It really didn't even feel like 21 minutes when I was watching it. It was hard for me not to click on episode two just so I could stay completely focused on the pilot for this. And what I'll say is in 2016... We needed this show. Um, we needed this show very badly. Um, I think that this show deserves the respect that Michael Schur gave it, which is keep it to these 53 episodes. Don't remake it. NBC, president of NBC, whomever is listening that has any pull at NBC. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't remake this show. But I implore anyone who is looking for nice... 20 minute and 30 second episodes to go ahead sit down and watch this show i'll be continuing it for sure um with that said as we have all given yeses i would love to be able to tell folks where we can find both of you you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. You can also find original sketch comedy from myself and Rich over on TikTok at Dad Wagon Comedy. You can find me being loyal to the Cleveland Browns at uh, <laughs> Damn That's Rich on Instagram. And yeah, please uh, please give us a follow on the co- over on the comedy page. You can find me complaining about how many frogs are in a pilot <laughs> or... Possibly in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, But you can also find me on social media at RunJeffRun on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at TVPilotsLicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram. We usually post... Uh, previews of upcoming episodes and ask for questions maybe ask for inspiration Uh, but with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off we look forward to flying the bright skies of the tv world with you again soon and until then remember everything is fine and we'll see you soon jeff you know what i think about your frog discourse (laughs) 